He served at the Pentagon as an Army JAG. He graduated from Notre Dame and has two law degrees from Boston University and Georgetown University. He's been practicing law for over 30 years. He's your family's personal attorney. It's time for the David Carrier Show. Hello and welcome to the David Carrier Show. I'm David Carrier, your family's personal attorney. And you have found the place where we talk about estate planning, elder law, real estate, and business law. Give us a call, why don't you? 888-463-2843. That's 888-463-2843. We'll get your question, comment, or concern on the air. How about that? You can also drop me an email, david at davidcarrierlaw.com. And you can always go to the website, davidcarrierlaw.com. And uh, the website, I like, I like to say that. Anyway, uh, uh, at least you don't have to say www anymore, right? You can just say .com. Anyway, uh, go over to the website, davidcarrierlaw.com, and that's where all the life plan workshops are. You know, we've got all the uh, dates and times for those coming up. We're doing not only at our local um, at our local offices, uh, also at uh, we're doing the hometown workshops. So it's not just uh, not just limited to Portage, Holland, uh Norton Shores, Grand Rapids. I mean, we also, um, you know, going out to Battle Creek and Byron Center, and you kind of you name it. You know, have uh, have slideshow. We'll travel. Uh, have <laughs> well, it's not just a slideshow. We also have cookies and stuff. So there you go. Um, but we're uh, we're more than happy to to come out if you uh, if you'd like one in your neighborhood and you haven't had one yet. You know, we haven't been there. Uh, just give us a call. You can use this number eight eight eight. Four six three two eight four three. Uh, call us during the week, and you'll get your choice. You can talk to a live person; easy to do. And just say, "Hey, I would really like, you know, I'd like a workshop over here." And we'll say, "All right, we'll get you on the calendar." Uh, it's that easy. Well, almost that easy. Uh, but you got to call first eight 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 four six three two eight two eight four three. Now, if um, uh, so. Do, 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 do. You know, I did a lot of yakety yak the last time. You know, for the first hour, Th- things that I thought were things that I thought were were pretty uh, fascinating. Um, but uh, give us a call, and we'll talk about what's fascinating to you. Here's a. Uh, I'd like to get some of the emails though. Um, can we sue a funeral home for giving legal advice that was not true? Um, father pre-planning funeral told him government will confiscate his savings after he dies. He's so upset. That from going from a reasonable amount of cost, he gave his entire estate to the to the funeral home. Well, you got to wonder. I mean, how much was the estate? And you know, did you really need the Lippenzaner stallions? You know, performing at your uh, at your funeral. Um, but the but the question of of non attorneys giving legal advice. I'll tell you what. There is nothing more common than people who are not attorneys who can't be held to account uh, giving legal advice. Uh, and that's everyone from your coworker, you know, the people that you deal with, to your friends, to family, over the backyard fence, uh, or you go to a, uh, you go to a, a, you know, a funeral home, you go to a nursing home, uh, you talk to the social workers. Lots and lots of legal advice that isn't true, um, you know, in in effect, it's legal advice uh, that winds up, you know, I mean, this seems to me what's going on here seems to be sort of a a salesperson overreaching, you know, using the threat of the government bah, 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 to, uh, you know, to uh, uh, bump up the sale, right? I mean, it seems pretty obvious that that's what's going on here. Um, 
but you know, people in good faith. I mean, like we we work we work quite a bit with um, uh, folks at at the funeral homes, and um, depending on who they are, right? Depending on uh, on the individual, uh, you get a lot of good information if if you've got a good one. Right. If you've got a good representative and most of them are, you know, most of the people, all the people we deal with uh, are, you know, they would never pull a stunt like this. Right. Um, But you can get people at the at the uh, funeral home who will tell you just what's going on. We work with a couple of people um, who are extremely good at pointing out the uh, areas in the Medicaid rules. Now, they, they don't try to play lawyer. Okay, that's important. They don't try to play lawyer and say, "Oh, well, in your case, here's what you should do." Blah blah blah. blah right? They don't try to interpret the law, uh, but because they're aware of it, you know. And it's a mutual. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's a mutual um, education thing. We learn quite a bit from those folks. We have learned quite a bit, um, you know, at the law firm from what's available and how the funeral homes work. It's it's very beneficial uh, to our clients that we have sort of the inside scoop on how they work. Uh, and at the same time, uh, they send us a lot of folks because they can spot the issues. They can say, hey, you know, there are certain things, uh, let's just say uh, in a Medicaid case, right? So, or a case like this, you know, doing the pre-plan. Now, understand, when it comes to pre-planning, I'm super in favor of that, you know, pre-planning the future, the funeral. I think everybody should do that. And the reason I think everybody should do it is, Number one, it doesn't cost you anything. You go in and you look at the options that they have and you pre-plan it. Um, but I'm not so excited about prepaying it because uh, my view of the world is you might want to take one last trip to Paris or someplace, right? And you might want that $10,000 or 5000 or whatever it was you were going to spend on the funeral. You might want that cash for something else. And the fact of the matter is that after you're gone, they'll figure a way to dispose of the body, Okay, they'll figure out something to do with it. And if in the meantime, you'd rather do something that you now you can't do because you prepaid the funeral. Well, that seems too bad to me. I mean, you've got other assets. You let them sell the house or something. Now, there are some folks, quite a few, um, for whom the value, the, the, the comfort, the peace of mind that comes from prepaying the funeral and knowing that you're not leaving that to your kids. That's very valuable to them, and I would never, I would never discourage them from that. I, yeah, I got it. That's worth it to you. Good, do it. Um, but for everybody, whether or not you have the assets uh, to prepay, you should pre-plan. Don't leave that on your kids. Trying to figure out, you know, would mom have wanted the the pewter, the silver, or the gold? You know, I don't. Who knows? Maybe mom doesn't care about that stuff. Maybe she does. But if you leave it to your kids to pre-plan. I don't think that's the right thing. I think that's putting a burden on the kids uh, that you shouldn't. Okay, you should make those decisions. You know, so everybody, quote unquote, everybody knows mom wanted whatever. Well, if you write it down, if you go through this with one of the funeral professionals, and we can we can send you to some if you if you don't have anybody, um, you know, they can be extremely beneficial, extremely uh, in helping you do that and helping you think through. The process, and then if you want to prepay, God bless you. Go ahead and do it. Uh, if you don't, again, God bless you. Don't. Um, but the pre-planning, I think, is extremely important. Now, the other problem that we run into is a lot of often, frequently. Um, how do you want to say it? 
You know, lawyers get criticized for saying things like, you know, the lawyer answer, it depends. Well, you know something? It really does depend. Depends on what the facts are. And so when you, when you deal with an attorney, hopefully what they're doing is digging in to figure out what all the relevant facts are. They're asking you a bunch of questions. They gather a lot of information. Okay? So people say, well, it's a very simple question, blah, blah. Well, you know something? It probably isn't all that simple. Okay? Now, what has happened, what we have seen happen time and time and time again is when uh, someone goes into long-term care and you're dealing with a social worker or some uh, or a nursing home employee or a friend or someone who else who's just been through it, right, and you give them 30% of the facts and then they tell you, oh, well, you need it. It works like this. It works like that, okay? And then you take action based on that quote-unquote legal advice that's not based on all the facts. And frankly, just to say, people who don't do this every day right, may not know what all the legal ramifications are. Even if you gave them all the facts, they might still tell you wrong. Um, an awful lot of our folks, a lot of the folks that we serve uh, who are on the Medicaid, they, they come in uh, because they've lost a month or two or three of eligibility. They submitted the application, got denied. So, oh, the people at the nursing home told me this would be fine. Well, guess what? It's not really their job to do that, okay? Uh, number two, you may have misinterpreted. Number three, they may have misinterpreted. Number four, they may not have had all the facts, okay? The way we do it, and it's frustrating for some people. I admit this. It is. It, it can be kind of frustrating. We have a multi-step process for everything that we do, where we're gathering information, you're meeting with a case manager, you're doing the, you got to do all this stuff before we'll give you, quote unquote, the answer, because until we've gone through that process, we don't know what the answer is. That's just reality, okay? And so when you get legal advice from a funeral home, legal advice from a nursing home or something like that, you really can't rely on it, okay? In fact, you know, attorneys do this too. You know, they shoot from the lip, right? They just, oh, give you the first impression they give you well uh, when we get back from uh, the break i'll tell you what they call it you've been listening to the david carrier show i'm david carrier your family's personal attorney swaying in the summer breeze showing off that silver leaves as we walked by soft kisses on a summer's day Laughing all our cares away the david carrier show i'm david carrier your family's personal attorney and this show is the jasmine in your mind if you give us a call at 888-463-2843 that's 888-463-2843 ask for the jasmine in my mind no i'm just kidding about that anyway we've got uh, susan on the line hello susan welcome to the david carrier show thank you i like your bumper music (laughs) 
<laughs> That's the best part of the show. Uh, no, not really. But, well, but <laughs> easy, easy to observe, hard to admit. <laughs> Sometimes I wish we could just spin the platters that matter because we got stacks of wax. <laughs> Were you a DJ at one time? <laughs> no, I just listened to that oh. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Don't um, be nervous. My, Don't be um, rocky. You're our guest is jockey now. Go ahead. <laughs> my um, mother um, died, and do mm. I need to put a legal notice in the paper um, about does she owe anybody any money? Yeah, the law requires it. Um, did she ha- did she have any assets when she passed? No. Okay. So the law requires that you file any will if she had a will if you know of a will. Um, no. Then, uh, well, I'm, I'm just going to say things that you have to do that don't really okay. matter, okay? Uh, but you're supposed to do yeah. them anyway. Um, <laughs> well, I'm just telling you. <laughs> Law says if you know of a will, you file it with the probate court. Not to probate mm-hmm. the thing, um, and you're not going to probate the thing. But and, and at the end of the month, they just take everything that people have filed during the month, stick it in the archive, and uh, open a new file, okay? Um, every uh-huh. once in a while, every once in a great while, um, it's been years now. Uh, you actually go back to that, and you might have to probate. You know, if you discover assets later on or something. Mm-hmm. But because nobody knows about it, uh, nobody knows that that's a requirement, and it doesn't matter anyway. Very few people actually file the the wills. Now we do that, um, even if there are no. You know, we have a we call it the no asset letter, and you know, here's the will with the no assets, and just file it. Um, you know, but that's because we know what the law is, and we have to we have to follow it. But for most most pe- well, you know, most people, if they're not going to get anything out of the will, really, what's the point? You're not going to go to yeah. jail for it. The other thing is, yeah. you are supposed to file that notice to unknown creditors. You only have to file it once, and uh, okay. uh, four months later, uh, no one can come against the estate. Any unknown okay. creditor. Now that has to be. Do I do it? Go ahead. Do I? Do I do that through the paper or at the county courthouse? Oh, no. You you, you need a newspaper of general circulation in the county. What, oh, okay. Yeah. What county, what county are you in? Kent. Okay. Kent, Grand Rapids. So here's yeah. my suggestion. <laughs> Most people use the legal news, all right, which is fine, or the press, which is fine. But I'm just between us. I like the Rockford Squire. Okay. The Rockford Squire. The, the Rockford. Okay. Well, the reason I like the Rockford Squire is you get like a, a sixth of a page for the same money, right? You get like a sixth mm-hmm. of a page. It's the same mm-hmm. notice. It's just a statutory notice, but instead of having uh-huh. just a little squinchy, you know, like a classified ad, you know, yeah, you get a yeah. nice big one. Eh. Okay. <laughs> just a matter <laughs> of personal preference, but uh, well, you that know, sounds like a good idea. Yeah, why not? You know, now you get something to frame. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's, you know, that, but yeah, it, it works in anyone. There is a, um, there's actually a, uh, uh, a very low circulation paper. Um, when we don't want, when we want to publish a notice, but we don't really want anyone to read it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, really nobody, uh, there is, <laughs> there is this one paper where we'll publish, um, but it's not the squire. Um, you know, we'll publish those notices, but the, most of the time we just, we just go to the squire um, okay. th- because the money's the same, you know, the, the, the publication cost is the same. Uh, and yeah. like I say, you get more real estate on the paper. Not that it matters. Okay. All righty. Okay. 
Okay, thank you very much. Hey, you're very welcome. Thanks for calling. Uh-huh, bye. Bye-bye. Uh, 888-463-2843. That's 888-463-2843. You'd like to get your question, common or concern, on the air. The nice thing about, uh, the one thing I did want to mention, they really truly have to be unknown creditors, okay? Um, that's what the notice is for. So let's say your loved one is, uh, been, you know, ran up the credit cards and died, or it's the, uh, the uh, funeral home bill or something like that. Well, those are what we call known creditors. Okay, you don't have the excuse for not knowing that that you know you owe them money, and so those will not be cut off by the publication, right? So let's talk about that that a little bit. You typically have known creditors and unknown creditors. Okay, unknown creditors, you publish the notice. You didn't know that any you know you didn't know it was out there, but then you have the known creditors, the credit card companies, whoever. Uh, and let's just talk about when you're going through probate. Let's say you're going through probate. Um, then you can, you can do a thing where you, you, where you deny the claim. So they claim that you owe them a certain amount of money. You deny the claim. Um, and you don't have to have any reason for denying the claim. And you might even think the claim is valid. Um, but if you file a denial of the claim, because you don't have the paperwork, they just sent you the bill. So you don't know one way or the other. Well, if you deny the claim, and this is the beauty part of it, if you deny the claim, uh, and I want to say it's 63 days, um, could be 53, I'll double check that. But anyway, they have a limited amount of time to actually prove, to, to file, in essence, a complaint in the probate court action uh, establishing what the debt is. So you may get all these bills, right? What we'll typically do to weed them out, to find out who's valid, who isn't, is we'll just send out a denial to each one, okay, because we don't know. You know, the personal representative doesn't know. And then wait for the ones to come back and say, yes, indeed, you do owe me the, uh, you do owe us the money and here's the verification. Okay, fine, then we'll pay it. You know, no no problem. Um, but lots of times you don't know if it's a valid debt or not, okay? Uh, who knows? So the pro- there is a procedure there for the known creditors, okay? Um, um, and that's what, so, uh, when you're going through this now, if you have a trust or whatever, you can do the same thing and you do have to file the, uh, the thing for the unknown creditors and then just, um, uh, denial of claim. But it's one of the, th- it's one of the good parts. You know, there are some, some advantages to, uh, there are some advantages to uh, going through probate. That's, uh, that's one of them. Um, we've got Rose from uh, Muskegon on the line. Hello, Rose. Welcome to the David Carrier Show. We've only got about 30 seconds, so you want to pose your question, and then we'll get back to it after the, uh, after the news. Okay? Okay. You were, you were talking about uh, not putting your children as beneficiaries on an IRA. Correct. Terrible thing. And I just found out yesterday that this is what my mother and my older sister have done. Mm-hmm. And my... Now, I want to know the legal ramifications because there are 10 of us. Okay. If, if, you, if you hang on through the break, okay, I'll get right back to that. I promise you. All right, Rose? All right. Thank you. Okay. Okay. You're listening to The David Carrier Show. I'm David Carrier, your family's personal attorney. Just on the sun and moon, sing a song of cheer. Just fill your basket full of sandwiches and weeds. Right 
backing track. I had one of those. Welcome back to the David Carrier Show. You're kind of show. You're kind of year. You're time of year, right? Uh, this is the place, of course, where we talk about estate planning, elder law, real estate, and business law. You have a question, comment, or concern about wills, trusts, probate. Why is it such a horrible, terrible thing to put your kids on your IRA as beneficiaries? <laughs> this is the time for you to call 888-463-2843. If you also have a question about real estate or business law, we are here for you. Uh, we got Rose on the line, and uh, Rose and her nine siblings are on mom and sister's IRAs. Is well, that correct? No, it's my mother's IRA. Okay. Um, and it, it's quite a substantial IRA because when my father died, he had a 401k mm-hmm. that they rolled to an IRA for my mother. Sure, sure. But my mother has dementia. Okay. My sister has power of attorney. Okay. Everything, everything else, my sister was able to do a irrevocable trust and move everything else into the trust, all her stocks, because both their names were on it. But her name, my sister's name is not on the IRA, and my mother has all 10 of us as beneficiaries. What, what, is your sister one of the ten? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. So she's not disinherited off the IRA. We don't have to add another beneficiary. So here's the no. okay. Got it. So here's the um, here's the thing. The um, um, how do I? Say, how old are you? I'm sixty-seven. Okay. So when mom passes, you get to use your life expectancy in stretching out the IRA. Okay, your your share of it. So one tenth of it comes to you. You can say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it over my life expectancy." Now, if you or your husband, if you're married, um, need the long term care, that IRA is going to count against you. Uh, one of the things that I recommend people do, and I don't know, you know, I don't know what the terms conditions are of the irrevocable trust or revocable trust. I suspect it's a revocable trust, actually. Um, uh, well, she told me. Definitely an irrevocable trust. Is is mom on? Is she in long term care? I mean, why would they do that? Oh, 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 oh! Wait a second. Uh, it was set up when dad died. Is that right? No, no trust. My sister set the trust up because my mother was already into the dementia. Okay. My, okay. So, sister. so somebody did some Medicaid planning then, huh? My older sister has been doing that, but she she couldn't put the IRA into the trust. Right, right. You can't. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't put the IRA in the trust. But um, that's not the end of the story. Okay. So the um, let's guess. Let's make some guesses here. Uh, let's guess that the uh, trust that was set up for mom, right when she was diagnosed, uh, is a 
Medicaid divestment trust. So we get our five years. The assets in that trust are now off the table. Let's guess that. Okay. Would that be fair enough? We can guess that, but they're not yet. (laughs) No, I know. We still have five. We still have some period of time yet to go. Is that correct? Right. Okay. And then we have the, then we have the IRAs money, the IRA money, which you cannot use that particular tool uh, to preserve. You can't, you can't use it. Let's also assume that mom, well, what's mom's life expectancy at this point? I mean, and I don't mean by the table. I mean, is she pretty healthy? Is, are we looking at, is she Um, in hospice or what? You know, we're, give me a sense. We, we've been taking care of her ourselves. So, so what Um, do you think? I mean, it's getting to the point where we're going to need help taking care of her, but we we have to wait until next March before she will be able to qualify for VA. What? Right now, too many assets on the table yet to qualify for VA. Well, how much is in the IRA? Uh, Just ballpark it for me. Well, let me just say let me just say this. If it's more than eighty thousand, she's not gonna qualify for the for the VA. It is it's more than eighty thousand. I believe it's around a hundred thousand. Oh, so what you're thinking is you'll spend down twenty thousand by next March? Is that the thought? I'm trying to figure uh, out what the thought process is here. Because you can't have more you can't have more than eighty thousand and with the VA, it's not a timing thing anyway. I mean with the VA at least so far. I mean, they're they're going to change the rule. They're going to have a three year look back, uh, but that's they not the a, law yet. Well, she told me they have a three year look back. Not yet. Not yet. I mean, it's been proposed. They're right, you know, uh, but they haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. It's still, um, it's still just a, um, you know, it's still immediate with the VA. I uh, but you really have to divest the. It's not just a Medicaid divestment of the assets. It's an actual. Uh, tax qualified separation of the assets in order to get it for the VA. Uh, it's a different, it's a different set of rules uh, that you have to do to qualify for the VA. And then, well, uh, go ahead. I, I, one of my concerns is when you were talking about uh, liabilities of making the children beneficiaries of an IRA. Is what happens if one of us gets sued? Yeah, it, it it doesn't matter for the other ones. It's just for that individual, okay? Because they can't take away your share of the IRA because your brother was in a car accident or something like that. Now, his share of the IRA would be gone. That's, yeah, that's true. And he would still owe the tax on the money he doesn't have. Uh, be, but that's because the money went in satisfaction of a judgment against him. So you don't have to worry. Uh, the concern is not that, uh, mom will be in debt. The concern is not that um, brothers' debts will or siblings' debts will apply to one another. Uh, the thing is, if you're leaving money to somebody, right, to to one of your kids, uh, presumably, number one, you'd like them to get the money, and then number two, even if they didn't get it because they'd been sued, you wouldn't want to put them into debt uh, because you made them the beneficiary on the IRA. Uh, and that's the situation. So let's say one of your siblings has liability, has a judgment against them. They weren't responsible with their credit cards. You know, in a, ten, in a family of 10, you're going to have somebody like that. Uh, if oh, the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, if that's the case, that individual would be at risk, but not the rest of you. Is that okay. Cl- okay. Yeah. 
that's just an individual thing for each individual beneficiary. And that's a situation where if you can predict it, if you can see it coming, right, uh, where you know brothers got judgment against them and all the rest, then uh, um, and it depends on what the power of attorney says, okay, because it's very specific on that, uh, uh, you know, very specific requirements, what it's got to say in order for you to change beneficiaries in an IRA. Uh, but brother can't disclaim it. Somebody else has to do it. So sister, with power of attorney, if the power of attorney is done correctly, what I would call correctly, uh, then she'll have the authority to remove him as a beneficiary. Now, you can, guys can make a separate deal on, yeah, well, yeah, you're not getting uh, 8000 from the uh, from the IRA or 10000 from the IRA, but we'll make up for that over here where these assets are not at risk of, you know, of, um, you know, crowning you with uh, tax liability. Do you see? Okay. I mean, you can adjust that, um, but that that's a discussion. Did she make the trust, the, change the trust to be the beneficiary? Well, it depends on the trust. You see, most of the time when you say to a financial advisor, hey, I'm going to make the trust the beneficiary of the IRA, all right, it's, you know, cardiac yeah. arrest for the financial advisor, uh, and they'll tell you, oh, that's a terrible idea, lose tax benefits, all the all the rest of the stuff. And the fact of the matter is that the financial advisor, that that's pretty good rule of thumb advice because most trusts are not set up to be qualified designated beneficiaries. They're not set up prop, what I would call properly uh, to handle a distribution from an IRA and then funnel it out as a look through, funnel it out to the individual beneficiaries. Uh, however, just because most of them are done wrong doesn't mean they have to be done wrong. Okay, and if it's done correctly, then it can be very beneficial. So what I would say is uh, we need to take a look at the trust to see was it done in such a way that you you could make it the beneficiary. Okay. Okay. All right. Give us, you know, if you'd like, if you'd like, you know, it's obviously it's no fee, no obligation. We'll take a look at it, just review it for you and tell you what's uh, tell you what's going on, you know, more specifically. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rose. You're listening to The David Carrier Show. I'm David Carrier, your family's personal attorney. Welcome back to the David Carrier Show. Looking for the best questions of your life at 888-463-2843. That's 888-463-2843. That's a number for you to call right now. We've got a few minutes left. I'm going to get to some of our emails. You know, this one of the, I, I picked some of these because we have answers and some because they, they point out some misconceptions. This is one of those misconception ones. 
Who gets power of attorney, the oldest child or the parent of a patient? Moms in the hospital want to know who has the right of his power of attorney, my grandmother or me? And the answer is neither one, because power of attorney is where you yourself decide uh, whether you want your mom or your kid making the decisions. It's not, there's no entitlement to be power of attorney. It doesn't even have to be a family member. Okay. Um, hopefully it's somebody you know, but. But sometimes it isn't, you know, under a financial power of attorney. We always put in a corporate trustee who doesn't know you and you don't know them, but we always put them in as the as the last backup. Okay, so you've got the three people who you trust and then the corporate trustee. Okay, and you don't even know them. But what you do know is that if it's a bank trust department or a um, or a independent trustee, independent fiduciary company, uh, you know that they're not going to steal your money. They've done it before. You know, that's why we always put them in, because if we run out of the natural people, now we're going to probate court, don't want to go to probate court, instead go to the uh, professional trustee. But here, obviously, there's nobody there. And somebody's thinking, well, power of attorney means I get to make decisions. And, um, you know, so how does that work? Well, only if mom gives it to you, only if mom gives you the authority. Uh, We've got Len on the line. Good morning, Len. Welcome to the David Carrier Show. Well, good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Happy to. How can um, I help? Well, um, I've, I've been trying to get it straight in my mind because I'm a little confused. But I'm trying to help a, an elderly friend of mine mm-hmm. um, go into a basically a nursing home. Okay. This is living. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and he's asked me to basically help him. He's a smart man, but he's not clever enough for government work. Okay. Okay, and they're telling him that because he owns his home and basically no other resources, he should have a ladybird deed prepared Mm -hmm. to basically save his home. All right. Okay. Um, He had the deed done, but hasn't executed it yet because he wanted me, you know, he's using me as a sounding board. Okay. And I've read the literature, and I've read over this deed, and it says that you can't dispose of your property right. within a, you know. Five years, yeah. But this, but, but this deed will, is not a real conveyance. Not until you die. And, and I guess where the confusion comes in, mm-hmm. it really hasn't conveyed anything. Correct. That's why it's not a divestment. And so, and, and so how, and, and this is where the confusion comes in. Yeah. If he hasn't conveyed anything, right. how does he not own it? He does own it. See, that's the thing. You can own your homestead. You can qualify for the Medicaid and still own your homestead. If you give the homestead away, now you've got a penalty. If you apply, you'll have a penalty period based on the value of the homestead. See, the trick to the Ladybird deed is, uh, it's going to avoid probate because I've got this deed there, right? But, you know, if you've read the whole thing, you know that it says, but I can mortgage the property, convey the property, right, right, blah, right, all that right. kind of stuff. So, in effect, there has not been a transfer. And because you retain the right, because he, your friend, retains the right to do all these things. Well, when he's dead, he can't do those things anymore. And that's when the transfer occurs. And so that's how a ladybird deed or a enhanced life estate deed or whatever else you want to call it, uh, transfer on death deed, that's how it 
that's how it operates. That's why it's called Medicaid friendly because you haven't divested yet. Okay. Um, I'm I. Yeah. Okay. The transfer occurs at death because he can't pull it back until until he can't pull it back anymore. Until he can't reconvey it. There, you're absolutely I, I, right. There is no transfer. There's no I, conveyance. And, and which is which is why you know this is where the confusion comes in. I suppose uh, there is no transfer, but they're treating it as if he doesn't own it. Well, that's not true. I mean, they are treating it as if he does own it because if he didn't own it anymore, then you'd have to figure out what did he do because he did own it. Yeah, now he doesn't. So right, right. did he divest it or did he sell it? And if he sold it for fair market value, well, now he's got the cash. That's even worse. Because he can't have the cash, but he can have the house. Okay. Now, now, well, if the if the, what they're saying at the if what they're saying at the assisted living is if he's got a house, we're not going to accept Medicaid or waiver for him. If that's what they're saying, okay. Uh, well, that's a different story. That's that's their that's their policy. But it doesn't sound like it because they're the ones who are advising uh, to do the ladybird deed. So, so I'm going to okay. guess that they don't care. I'm going to guess that they're, you know, that what they're trying well, to do is help them qualify for the Medicaid. And and which which you know that's what I'm trying to do also. You know. Yeah. Uh, and and makes sense. Now now I guess that there's this little notion of, well, when you made the comment, well, what if the law changes? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Okay. Well, well, you see, that's and, the and, that's the weakness. See, right now we've got literally thousands of people, thousands who are relying on ladybird deeds as if they're the be-all and end-all, uh, yep. which is not true because Michigan is one and Pennsylvania, Florida, Texas, uh, just a few states that do not put a Medicaid mortgage or a lien on the property, what they call enhanced uh, enhanced uh, estate recovery. Uh, Michigan is one of a few states that doesn't do that. Uh, and sometimes people say, well, you know, we're doing these divestment trusts, we're doing all this Medicaid planning. Uh, what happens when the law changes, you know, because they might change to do. Listen, long before they get to the divestment trust and all the, the other techniques that we're using, they're going to start slapping Medicaid mortgages on. OK, because it's easy. It's easy to do. You know, it's the easiest thing there is. And so many, many people are doing it. Uh, that's where the jolt of revenue is going to come from, frankly, is when they shut down the ladybird deeds. Well, uh, for 10 years now, we've been putting the. The house in the root cellar, what we call the root cellar, the protection trust, the Medicaid divestment trust, um, that's what we've been doing in anticipation of the state, uh, you know, eliminating the ladybird deed as a Medicaid planning technique. Uh, they haven't done it yet, but it's just a matter – this is my view of the world. It's just a matter of time. I mean, you don't have to be particularly brilliant to see them shutting that one off because it, it's well, so I, easy to do. I, but, I, I guess that's part of the mark. Part of the concern also. Yeah, know. but the thing is, Len, at this point, and we use Ladybird deeds every day. I, I got 30 seconds. Uh, we use Ladybird okay. deeds all the time in crisis cases. This is a crisis case because I don't have, I don't have any appreciable amount of time. Okay. You know? Dave, I want to thank you. I, I hope you've helped a lot of people. I know you've helped me and my friend. And so have yourself a great day. Well, thank you so much. I, I do appreciate it. It's a beautiful right. day outside today too. I love it. Starting. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got we got our parish festival going on. We do the you know for forty years now they've been doing I don't know maybe it's one hundred forty years they've been doing chicken dinner, 
And a day like today is so perfect for it because it's... it's winner, winner. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Take care, Len. Best of luck to you. You've been listening to The David Carrier Show. I'm David Carrier, your family's personal attorney. But not legal advice. There is a big difference. So when making decisions that affect your family, your property, or yourself, the best advice is to seek good advice specific to your unique needs. If you missed any of today's show or would like additional information about the law offices of David Carrier, please visit davidcarrierlaw.com.